Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Can you believe this rain, people? I cannot believe this rain. You know, this is normal rain for Seattle. People don't even make a big deal about it. Oh, fuck you. This kind of rain, they'd probably barely carry an umbrella. Can you see that we're not in Seattle? Yeah, no, I can. Does that affect you in any way? But I'm just saying. Did you enjoy it so much that you stayed in Seattle? No. I can't say bad things about Seattle. I'm not asking you to. I lived there when nobody'd ever heard of it. Adam! Paula? Adam! Adam! Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You sound very echoey, though. What's going on? I was in the backyard, and you know how it's been raining so much? Well, it softened the dirt in my backyard, and my dog Mo was digging for a ball, and I've fallen into a giant underground cave. Adam? You're, you're in a cave? Adam, can you hear me? Yes, Paula. You're in a cave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a cave, Adam. My dog moved. I just I caved in. Okay. Can you climb out? I don't think I can. The dirt's too soft because there's been too much rain. Because it just keeps fucking raining. <laughs> I, I used to long for a little bit of rain, but this is too much. It's soft on the yeah. dirt in my backyard. And now I'm in a big cave. Adam, can you hear me? Paula, as I said several times, I can hear you. I'm just worried about getting you out of that cave. Can somebody throw a rope in, maybe? I don't think so. Nobody knows I'm here. Adam, can you hear me? <laughs> Mo, get that fucking ball out of here. Oh, Jesus. So keep Hold digging on. for that ball. Is it a hole or a cave? It's a hole cave. It's a cave. <laughs> Adam, I'm in a cave. I, I don't know what to do for you, Paula. I, I... Oh, my God. The, the hole's starting to fill up with water. The cave <laughs> is starting to fill up with water. Well, Paula, that's a good thing. Because as the water level gets higher, maybe you can eventually swim out of that have. Oh, maybe you didn't see the documentary about the Thai boys. <laughs> what? The soccer team, Adam. The soccer team that was stuck in the cave. Yeah, but you're in more of a have. You could just wait and float out. <laughs> yeah. Adam, can you hear me? No one well, can hear Paula, those boys. Paula, why do you keep asking if we can hear you? It's, it's very easy to hear you. There's a sign down here, which is weird, but it says, no one can hear you. <laughs> oh. I think we've proven that that sign is misleading at best. Oh, my God. It's still fucking raining. It's raining a lot. Yes, oh, it is. It's not a Los Angeles kind of a thing. I mean, some rain, yes. But this is just stupid amount of rain. <laughs> well, you know what, Paula? This amount of rain would be absolutely normal in Seattle. Where? In Seattle. You've never heard of Seattle? Of course I've heard of Seattle. <laughs> Bonnie Burns is from there. 
She says that when she first came down here, no one had ever heard of Seattle. Everybody knows where Seattle is now. So apparently Bonnie Burns went from home to home with a map of the United States, <laughs> introduced people to where Seattle is. No one knew of it before that. Wait a and minute. What? Who lived in Seattle? How could that be can one of the who? Buddy, can you hear me? <laughs> Who had the experience of people saying Seattle like that? Me. They said to you, Seattle. <laughs> Buddy, there was that show, Here Comes the Brides. That was in Seattle. I know. But maybe these were all people in show business. Maybe they didn't watch that show. I don't know. I'm just telling you now, Seattle's like a cool place. Back then, it was kind of like a place not that many people had heard of. Tony? Tony did all? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Tony, can, can you hear me? Um, are you still living in a hotel? I am. I am. Because I, I think if we put some wood up on the mud walls in this hay, we might be able to fashion your little dwelling here. <laughs> Paula, why don't we talk about that during the actual show? What show? The show that we're about to start recording This is now. a rescue, for God's sakes. Forget about the fucking show. The show doesn't matter right now. I'm in a hay, and it's starting to fill with water. I'm not just going to float out. Is that what you said? I was just going to float out? Well, the rain keeps falling, yeah. No, you don't just float out. You drown. You don't have to. I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> Suit yourself. Hey. I'm going to start the show. I have something that's kind of an interesting coincidence. The rain in Spain. What, you're drowning too? No. <laughs> the rain in Spain, our cue for, let's, let's start the show. Rain, rain. I love oh. that you use our code word while explaining it. That really makes it an effective code word. Well, maybe not everybody knows or remembers. Well. We don't use it all the time. Mama bear to papa bear. It's kinch to the underground... <laughs> Kids to the French underground. Can you hear me? Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to start the show. You guys go ahead. Uh, All right. It's so wet down here. Scorpions on you. Coming to you live from our houses and one backyard have in Los Angeles, California, <laughs> this here is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. <laughs> These nutty so-called culture wars with angry ideologues and concerned citizens and social unrest has led us to a statement I never thought I'd say. This is a pretty exciting time to be a school librarian. But that's where we are. Also, it turns out that being a school librarian already had its share of excitement, and we've got one right here to tell us all about it as we welcome librarian Amy Herman. Plus, you know what looks good on a school library bulletin board? Crafts! And we're making some tonight as we join obsessive craftaholic Tony Anita Craftmaster Hull for Tony's Craft Corner. I'm Adam Felber, this podcast's old-fashioned bookish order keeper, neatly arranging our show's content into easily findable rhetorical categories in one giant metaphorical card catalog of coherence. And now, welcome the woman who charges down the stacks asking you to shush, but only because she can barely hear herself talk. It's Paula Poundstone! Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yes, we can. <laughs> yeah. 
and welcome back house band Chris Ketchum Campbell on the Git Fiddle. Chris is a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a great city in an otherwise flawed state. Um, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Chris. Keep up the fight there. What's new, Paula? Tell me what's new. Tell me what's up. Uh, you know what? I get so much mud in my eyes. Can you hear me? I, yes, um, we can hear you fine. Is your pool open? Yeah, my pool's open. Why? Is it overflowing? It's nearly to the brim. Yeah, I have not had to add water to my pool since uh, October. Huh. How come you remember that? That's a weird thing to remember. I had driven some people to dinner the other night. And while we were driving, my car, the windshield got so fogged up and I couldn't find how to defog it. And so I rolled the windows down and, you know, it cleared it up and we figured it out. But it was raining and we went to the restaurant, came back. I parked the car in front of my house. I forgot all about it. And in the middle of the night last night when it was fucking coming down in buckets. I thought, I can't remember if I ever rolled the windows up on the car. And yet you remember when you last filled the pool. That's what I think is weird. What did you write it? What do you keep a calendar of when you <laughs> fill the pool? Is that a, no, is, it's just, is that like no, your kid's it, birthday or something that's treasured in your family's house? No, I, it's, just, it's just not that frequent that I've been filling the pool lately. So I remember thinking in November, I don't have to fill it because it rained. And then ever since then, it's been raining all the time. No, that's just weird. You know, years ago, I had a party wherein we, we celebrated uh, my cat Annabelle's birthday. And, you know, it was fun. It was like a made-up reason for a party, and people brought cat toys, and, and I had a cake with a cat, uh, you know, on the cake and everything. Is that what you guys do with when you fill up the pool? Because that seems to be something that you remember in a way that most people wouldn't. I mean— No, no, I, f you, I feel like you're mischaracterizing me here. Okay, do you have five fingers on each hand? I'm confident that I do. I don't even have to check. Okay, well, let's let's use your hands for a minute. So we'd say October, and then we're going to use our thumb and say November, uh -huh. and then uh, December uh, sure. uh, is your index finger, and then sure. your fuck you finger is uh, <laughs> uh, January, and then okay, the next finger okay. is uh, February. Sure, that's four right? fingers. And March, that was five months ago, you filled the pool, and you remember when it was. Does it have to do with the equinox or something <laughs> what a weird calendar you must have i want to do an experiment this will work you see what time it is right now look at your clock i don't have a clock adam i'm in a i'm in a haze can you hear <laughs> me okay then I, then I will tell then i'll tell you what's happening it, yeah. it's it's 4 53 when we're taping right now i want you to stop breathing okay good so you're not you're breathing right you're trying to right? kill me i'm already I'm not, you told me i'm you told me to stay here until the water rises and now you tell me not to breathe yeah. <laughs> You're trying to kill me. Well, my point is, if you were to stop breathing now for five minutes, you would really remember when the last time you took a breath was. No, I wouldn't. Who the fuck remembers the last time they took a breath? That's absurd. If you're not breathing, you would. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Listeners, will you do me a favor and write in that it's weird that Adam remembers that October was the last time he filled his pool. Unless you tell like with a you know a drinking glass and a straw, then that then you might remember because you know that's just weird. Tony, when was the last time that you were down at, at the wobbly waitress, Tony Anita Hall? <laughs> yeah, you remember you were going on a regular basis to the weepy lush? I never 
there on a regular basis. You were there on such a regular basis that they knew how to mix your drink. What'd you have? The, oh, the I gin and tonic? Gin and tonic and... Yeah. Come on, there's a wanted poster on the wall there for frittata hoarding. Oh my gosh. Akuna frittata. The the people who work in the bar for some reason hate me. Oh no. Has there been a turn? What happened? They've always hated me. I don't know why they don't like me. Wow. I just feel like they don't like me. I think she's back in her apartment, but because she was a frequent stayer. They gave her that piece of art behind her head. Tony Anita Hall, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you slept in your apartment? It's entirely different. January 3rd. It's entirely different. (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute. How would you know it was January 3rd? Sleeping in your own home is not a very special event, is it? No, but Tony moved out of her dwelling because of a crisis. And one would remember a crisis. Yeah. Do you remember when you broke through the um, windows at the Capitol on January 6th? <laughs> yeah, that, sure. Okay. Do you remember when that was? January 6th. You just said. Exactly. Yes. Thank oh, you. So that, that was a crisis. I, That's why you remember. You're yeah. right. You're right. I, I see the point, and apparently I've just incriminated myself. Hey, speaking of self-incriminating, there's Bonnie Burns up there in Simi Valley. Bonnie, how are you doing? You know what? I have nothing to talk about today. That's not true. You can talk about geography. Remember how you discovered Seattle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I don't even know what to say. I wish I had something interesting. We've had somebody here doing our floors, like sanding all the floors, and all day long. Ah, ah, oh, God. Yeah. Ah, pound, 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 pound. My head is just... It's really oh, that's terrible. It's hard. But even yeah. before that, I didn't have anything to say. Like I debated, should I talk about I can't stop eating peanut butter late at night. Peanut butter's delicious. I don't blame you. When we had our vegan nutritionist uh, lady on just a few weeks yeah. ago, she yeah. suggested some peanut butter in your diet. So good for you. I thought she was a great guest because I'm a vegetarian. I was like, boy, she's making this seem so easy. I believe what she said was something about a quarter of a cup of almonds or something. The problem is I'm eating two or three tablespoons of peanut butter and then I finish it off with a quarter of a cup of almonds. That doesn't sound like that much to me. Bonnie, I got to say, I often contradict you and question you, but I got to give you credit. You really didn't have anything interesting to say. (laughs) That's not true at all. (laughs) I said... That was mean. Adam, have some respect for who are you talking to. She discovered (laughs) Seattle. (laughs) She is is the the Columbus of Seattle. Do you remember back when Adam didn't know what Coeur d'Alene was? Yeah. What is this other city she's talking about, Bonnie? What is that? C, C? That's what they'd go. They'd go, oh, is it like up there somewhere at the top of the map? No, you know. How many of these people? So these were show business people? Like who? Was it Cher? I meet people and I go, I'm from Seattle. I was like 20. Yeah. Where are you from? Seattle. Oh, you sound like you're from back east. No, I'm from Seattle. Where's that? Were you talking to an auditorium full of people and they all in a chorus said, where's Seattle? Wait a minute. I think I, think I might have this. Bonnie, when you moved to Los Angeles, did you by chance stay at Mrs. Lila Hennessy's home for the geographically challenged? (laughs) Oh, that's what it was. That might have been what it was. Maybe you guys are forgetting that there was a time 
before Seattle was cool. It was just some place up north that was rainy. I think Bonnie's right, though. I am. I think there was, I think. You're wrong, Tony. (laughs) Thank you. I think there was a time before Seattle was like hip. No, that is true. Seattle was like what? Hip. 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 Oh. (laughs) Hip. It was hip to us. (laughs) I'm in a have. Where's Seattle? I'm in a have. Your sound is a little weird, Tony, but that's why I keep wondering, can you hear me? Because we can all hear you, Paula. It's all kind of echoey to me. I can't really. I'm sorry. All right. Well, well, Paula, if you can, if you have any paper in your pocket down in that have, maybe you can hit us with this week's vocabulary word. Oh, thank goodness I happened to have brought a vocabulary. I was studying the vocabulary list when my dog Mo dug a hole because the dirt's soft and I fell in. And now I'm on this have. Um, <laughs> listeners, for years I've been searching unsuccessfully for an effective method of increasing our vocabularies. I have a former Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word today, and I'm going to ask each of you the definition. Listeners, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll find that I've been adding on limbs and features for Adam, Tony, and Bonnie's portraits each week, which they are awarded for telling me the correct definition of a former Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word. As you'll see, a beautiful, skilled artist portrait is emerging of each. Ultimately, the competitor whose portrait is completed first will be the winner. We're going to start with Tony and Nita Hull. And remember, each of you, there could be a six-pack in it for you. Um, all right, Bonnie and uh, Adam, uh, take your headphones off so that you're not catching Tony's wave. Wait for my signal. Uh, Tony, you ready? I'm ready. Today's former... Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word, which I hope was delivered to you at your hotel. I asked the bellman to bring it up to you. Uh, the word is rapacity. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Um, um, to do something with gusto. <laughs> um, no, no, it's not to do something. Tony, can you hear me? Um, it is... Uh, it's a noun that means aggressive greed. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. All right. I'm going to signal Bonnie back in. There there she is. She's putting her headphones in. Uh, yeah. And she's, she's pointing to a map of the United States. <laughs> she's, she's highlighting <laughs> Seattle. Uh, okay, Bonnie, you ready? I am. I was thinking about it. I don't think I remember one vocabulary word you've done, the meaning, except for horlos. Well, now I know Opsimath. I might know Myrmidon. Okay, what's Opsimath? Somebody who learns late in life. Oh, please tell me I'm not wrong. Great. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. That's right. And, and what's horloge? A, t- a timepiece. Uh, terrific. Very good. What about, um, oh, what's the, what was the last word I used to do in the song every week? Gallimaufry. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Gallimaufry, I know. A lot of things. It's not a lot of things. It's not <laughs> a gallimaufry. It's a hodgepodge of Hodge. things. Well, yeah. okay, that's but that's not a lot. It's right. it's a different. I, I, it's different than I a think lot. I got close. All right, here's the word. Here's <laughs> you very close. Down. Yeah, you got. Uh, yeah. Well, right now you're you're the only portrait on which I've done half a feature because one time we <laughs> did give you half a point, and so you I have. Know. 
I believe you have half a left breast, and I want to congratulate you for that. Uh, all right, here's the word. Rapacity. Rapacity? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I have two, two choices. A pause, I don't think it's that. No, it's not. It's not, right? <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Okay, wait, I'm going to go with... You know what we can do? We can do it kind of like how we look for Thomas Coyne. You can list all the words that it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like we define, attacking. If we go through, it's what? Attacking? <laughs> no. <laughs> like hurting somebody? No. no. <laughs> okay, it's a noun that means aggressive greed. I think banking, aggressive greed. Uh, the people who got rid of glass steel, was it? That, that was the banking regulation that they put together at one years and years ago. They oh. kept banks from Glass Steagall. Glass Steagall, thank you. They kept people from risking other people's money, and then they they took it away because they said, "Oh, I don't think we need that anymore." It was something that was put in after the Great Depression, and uh, and they were like, "Oh, we don't we're we're beyond that," you know, like how oh, we're beyond racism, that kind of thing. You know how we've matured as a nation. Uh, all right, Adam. <laughs> I like the word, by the way. I really, I think I remember this one. Um, Adam, can you hear me? I'm in the... Yes, Paul, I can hear you. I'm in a hive. Well, you couldn't have seen me because there's no camera down here. Um, well, I don't know how I managed to get signal to come back, but okay. I don't know either. That's weird. Um, maybe it was when I floated up to the surface. I put up two fingers. All right, Adam, Adam here's the word. Rapacity. Rapacity? Yeah. I don't remember us doing that word. I mean, I know that word, but well, I don't remember us doing it. Well, you don't remember most of the words. Uh... I would have uh, remembered if I'd been filling my pool that day. Um, but <laughs> rapacity, rapacity is like um, rapacious. It's uh, avaricious, greedy. You're plundering. You're 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 like aggressively plundering. Very yeah, nice. You know yeah. yeah, he got it. It's, <laughs> it's a noun. It means aggressive greed. Tony's uh, angry excellent. that I kept going. But nobody told me I was right, Tony. That's why I kept yeah. talking. No, I was waiting until you landed on the exact words. I know Tony didn't get it right. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tony got it right. Um, and, uh, and I'm guessing Bonnie, not. <laughs> Bonnie wrote the book on it. Uh, Bonnie, okay. Bonnie, what took so long was that Bonnie was listing... Uh, every use of the word in literature. Um, uh, well, I so I'm the only one who got it right. And yet again, we're all going to look tied in your drawing next week. No, we don't. You guys don't look tied. Uh, Bonnie actually recited from memory a passage from the Dickens book. Uh, it was it was more than a passage. It was practically a chapter from the Dickens book uh, Bleak House. She was able to. Uh, Recall a passage that had rapacity in it? Mm. Yeah, and then she did uh, from uh, Michael Lewis's Moneyball. She was able to... So just me. So just me is what we're saying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Bonnie and Tony. <laughs> Bonnie and Tony nailed it. You, you know what? Hey, what? it's been five months. You might want to go put some water in that pool and celebrate. <laughs> I, uh, I don't hey, need great. to. I don't need to. It's been raining. Maybe you haven't noticed. Um, terrific, you guys. All right. I will update the uh, portraits. Yeah, that's great. And and it, th these portraits will be famous for all the way from here to New York to Miami to uh, to Portland, which, as we all know, is the northernmost Pacific Coast city in the United States of America. 
No, there's somebody. There was a girl in Los Angeles who just discovered another city in Washington. Wait, a city north of Portland, yet still in <laughs> yeah, the continental yeah. United States? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> that seems unlikely, Paula. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I, I'm telling you. Everybody it's, it's knows a, Portland is the only major city on the Pacific coast of the northwest United States. No, nobody knew about Portland either. It's some place <laughs> nobody really knew about Portland either. Oh, fucking true. They didn't. So, I mean, I'm just saying but, it wasn't like familiar, like New York. It was more like they are smaller cities than New York. Yes. Yes, they like are. Like Manhattan. Yeah. But in fairness, they're smaller cities than Manhattan. I'm just. Do you want me to get like one of my brothers on or something in another show, and they will no, explain to you I, no. that people didn't I, know Seattle back no. then? No. Here's who I want to talk to. I want to talk to the people to whom you introduced Seattle. I want to go back and find these these big wigs in show business that you used to work with. That didn't know about Seattle. I would like to talk to them, not to your brothers. Well, it was a variety of people, but can't you get that? Okay, here's the thing. You're one little city. You're a little <laughs> city that people don't have a reason to hear about. Yeah, no, I get it. Oh, well, Tony, Tony, such Tony stop making room up. for Bonnie here. Oh, There's a huge Seattle difference between a city not being... 1851. <laughs> Great. There's, my well, point is, is that there's a huge the difference Smith between Tower. a city not being hip and a city being completely unknown. I think people maybe had, didn't he? I, I didn't say completely unknown. I, I, I said I, a I, lot of people. Like, people probably weren't talking about Seattle back in the day. I get it. There was no what reason to talk about Seattle. <laughs> Honestly. What, what, is what were they going to say about Seattle? There was no grunge movement. There was no. Nirvana, there was none of that. The grunge yeah. clothes that got made popular started in Seattle. That didn't exist. It was just like a city with maybe a 16-story <laughs> building called the Smith Tower that was the tallest building in Seattle. <laughs> let me let me let me do it this way, Bonnie. Bonnie, have you ever heard of Tucson? Right. But that's, that's yeah, all, I know where a lot of places are because I knew the map when I was in school. Boy, she cannot fill but out a form. Seattle, I don't think Seattle was that distinguished then. I don't know. I'm just telling you, I'd meet people and they'd go, what? what? I would like See? to know the names <laughs> of the people. I don't know how many of them are alive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, 1850 was a long time ago. Hey, um, you know, it was Barbara Kingsolver who said, I'm of a fearsome mind to throw my arms around every living librarian who crosses my path on behalf of the souls they never knew they saved. I bet nowadays she feels that way about us podcasters, right? Hello? Barbara Kingsolver, can you hear me? I'm, I'm in a have. Come throw your arms around me. Can't you have a rope? Barbara King's over. <laughs> we'll talk to a real-life school librarian when we come back. Okay, here's the, the thing. Like, remember one. when there was a map, and then they'd have Buddy, symbols Buddy, we already threw the commercial. Just when give people, it a rest. When the people, what was Seattle? <laughs> a log, and then a lot of evergreen trees. Hey, Paula. You know... 
Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so co it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <right>. And they're <laughs> European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quinn sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. 
That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes you know when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff it's really not that technical you know uh no matter what way you sleep they have a mattress that will support and comfort you how hard is that uh, you know when you say it that way it seems a lot simpler i take it back that's my boner <laughs> and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge and helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home that's why they offer a hundred night trial and a 10 to 15 year warranty to try out your new helix mattress well i like that there's a warranty but they can pry that mattress with my cold dead hands i took the sleep quiz i was matched with the helix midnight lux i got the lux and I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Jim Jones follower Dorothy said, It doesn't sound right, but God sent him to us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, house band Chris Ketchum Campbell. We're back, everybody. I always feel bad that we don't because because Chris Ketchum Campbell sounds fantastic. And I always feel bad that we don't have like a recorded applause or something we could that sounds big. It's just it's just you and me and, you know, maybe Bonnie going like this. But you know what, right. uh, Chris, we're giving you all we got. And thank you for giving us all you got. <laughs> sounds terrific. You know what? Uh, we're going to add in like raucous cheers and applause the next time I mention Chris. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's yeah. still 
steal something from Bruce's response, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Adam, Adam, you know what I wanted to talk to you about? No, Paula, what? The stories on the news and social networking about schools banning books are so disturbing. School librarians are often under fire and many hold the line in what appears to be a trumped up noisy parental fad. I'll, I'll bet no school librarian ever thought they'd be on the front lines of censorship battles when they, you know, when they went into that career. So, some parents have, in fact, insisted that Harriet the Spy what? be pulled from the school library shelves because they're afraid. This is I, re, I read that they're afraid it will encourage their children to spy. Now, oh. I don't know. I have I know nothing about how books get selected for school libraries, but I, I would wonder how come the Bible doesn't get banned out of fear that kids will try to crucify one another or drown trying to walk on water. Um, is there a kids don't try this at home disclaimer just inside the, co- the cover of the Bible? I, I never had one problem with a school library, either as a kid or as a parent. I, I never really thought about how it works. It seems so straightforward and innocent. It's not, though. Some schools have actually taken, I'm not making this up, Charlotte's Web off the shelves. What? Some librarians have gotten death threats. I did my diorama on Charlotte's Web. Are they coming for me, too? I, it's hard to understand, isn't it? What's going on? I, I thought we just wanted our kids to read. I, I wish there was someone who could explain to me the role of a school librarian and how it got so insane. Uh, You know, how do the books get chosen and and why some people want hop on pop out of the library because it's causing our kids to do drugs. I'll never find anybody who can answer these questions. Not not here anyways, not on this goofy podcast. Well, uh, Paula, for one, I take exception. This goofy podcast has a wide, (laughs) wide reach. And in fact... Our reach extends to the very expert that you are looking for. No, that is a coincidence cooked on an open fire. Yes, just like they do up in Seattle, which is all that they are known for. Hey, she's a high school librarian from Metro Detroit who previously spent 14 years as an elementary school librarian. She is also the host of the podcast School Librarians United. Pretty on the nose for what you're looking for, Paula. Please welcome Amy Hermann. Welcome, Amy. Bruce. Bruce. Um, Amy, hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so wait. Uh, okay, wait. What I didn't gather. I thought you. I thought you had been an elementary school librarian for fourteen years, but I didn't know that you were still at. Are you? You're a high school librarian now. I am. I so oh. I've. 14 years elementary, two years high school. And I was a high school teacher for 10 years before that. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And yet you sound so young. Um, uh, three decades. Three decades in education. Nice. That must keep you young. That's what it is. All right, let's start with talking about just about school libraries. What is their purpose and what is the job of a school librarian? Is it different in elementary than it is in high school in terms of mission statement? 
Really, no. You know, school librarians, uh, first and foremost, are teachers. That's pretty much across the board. We're all certified teachers, first and foremost, who went to library school. And school libraries serve the purpose of supporting the entire school community in all the things that we do, whether it is, uh, you know, reading or whether it is technology or it is coming together to support whatever is happening in the classrooms. It really is sort of the, the family room of the school where everyone comes together. Sometimes it's for meetings. Sometimes it's for alternative ways to have your your lessons. But invariably, it is about supporting the instruction that happens in the classroom. And it also is to support the teachers who day in and day out are looking for new and inventive ways to, to excite the, the love of reading and also support the their curriculum standards uh, every day in across all grade levels. But when did it become about grooming children for alternative lifestyles? <laughs> you know, um, I, I'd like to think that what we're doing really is creating critical uh, thinkers, uh, students who ask questions and question what they see, whether it's on the Internet, whether it's on the pages of a book, whether it's something they saw on, on TV when they're watching the news, uh, creating an informed citizenry who feels an obligation to find information and question what they see and always become those sort of lifelong learners. I love that. I, I mean, in the battle that we're in, both within our own country, um, but, uh, you know, internationally, um, misinformation and disinformation are um, huge weapons. And this is not new to lots of places, it's not new to Ukraine. It's not new to Russia. It's not new to lots of places. But to us, I think it's relatively new at the, at the level that it's at. And so teaching Kids, you know, for it to be second nature for them to question the source, you know, not in a knee jerk, you know, everybody lies kind of a way, but just make sure that they're getting a reliable source and they know where, you know, they know from whence that come. And I, I, I love that. Boy, if you are able to meet that mission, then there's great hope for the future. You know, Paula, as certainly as somebody who's taught our littles, our littles being, you know, coming up on five years old, I taught digital citizenship to five-year-olds because they're digital citizens. They are born into this uh, world, and it's important, it's vitally important that we equip them with the skills to question what they see on screens and, and to make good choices because we have to trust them uh, as they get older and older uh, to be able to navigate the, the digital world with a discerning eye and know that what they see can easily be, uh, you know, replicated. And you, you look at deep fakes now and all yeah. it really is about getting our students ready to become absolutely discerning when it comes to the information that they're taking in. Absolutely. Uh, Garrison Keillor wrote a book entirely in Limerick. It's autobiographical, but one of the things that he tells you is when he first discovered limericks in a school library. And I think he was raised in a strict religious uh, Lutheran family. And so in, a lot of limericks are a little on the body side or might involve, you know, bodily functions. I mean, we're not talking about Nantucket limericks necessarily. This was in his <laughs> school library he discovered this. He describes laughing uproariously, like hiding among the bookshelves. Uh, you know, this was his go-to place 
because it wasn't something that he was generally allowed to do. And ever since then, I think he writes a limerick about almost anybody he ever meets. He's actually kept this voluminous collection of... Uh, <laughs> now, am I, 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 am I personally a huge limerick fan? Not necessarily. But uh, it's that same idea that because he wasn't supposed to, he was totally drawn to it. Um, now, when you studied library science, Amy, did you specifically study school librarian stuff? And what kind of stuff were you taught in that course of study? And how much of it is actually helpful in the field? The field of librarianship, you include medical librarians and librarians who work in corporate librarians and prison librarians. And so there are some there's some commonality, but very quickly we branch off and we move into things like uh, what kinds of uh, when we look at collection development and, you know, the access to information and organization of information. We take classes on uh, becoming instructional consultants because as educators, we work with every every teacher in the building and supporting what they do in their classes. We take classes on web design and digital access. We take classes on young adult and middle grade and kid lit. We also have to do a practicum. But because by and large, we are currently certified teachers, it's sort of a student teaching, but it's done on a much sort of more abbreviated level because we are already certified teachers. It it is completely customized and catered to this idea that we are supporting K-12 students. Our degrees are for K-12. And that means that at any time, uh, somebody who is, you know, a high school teacher could find them teaching middle school or elementary and vice versa, which is one of the reasons why I created a podcast, because we have to be able to support one another. And I'll tell you what, there aren't many of us. But what about the secret area? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the... uh what was that in Harry Potter, the restricted book section? Let, let's, talk, <laughs> let's take a quick break and then talk specifically about the books when we come back. Okay. Well, you know, it was Frank Zappa who said that if, if you want to get laid, go to college. If you want an education, go to a library, which is why my favorite place on earth was always my college library. We'll go back into the stacks when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Cowpod from Bangkok, Thailand. Congratulations, Cowpod. We're proud of you. Hey, it's just me, Paula Poundstone. I don't want to bring you down by reminding you of why we need to laugh, COVID, but we do. Laughter could be practically prescribed by a doctor. Climate change. And there's something about the shared (laughs) emotional experience of being a part of an audience that makes the laughter that much more powerful. Kids, 99% of the time when someone types LOL, they're lying. You don't laugh out loud at stuff when you're alone. You acknowledge in your head that you think the thing you're seeing or hearing is funny. Depression. That's why television (laughs) shows use a laugh track. By the way, it was only recently that it dawned on me that the Flintstones couldn't have had a live audience. Loneliness. I'm not saying that I'm the only one who can provide this healing laughter, Trump, but I am saying (laughs) you need to get it somewhere. And it happens that I work in theaters all over the country. Nuclear war. Go to paulapoundstone.com and see when I'll be at a theater near you. Parallel parking.
to talk to Trump. Talking to the former president can be difficult, but by practicing these suggested phrases in front of a mirror for just a few minutes a day, you'll be saying what you need to say to him with confidence in no time. Get a pen and a paper and write them down. Today's phrase is... I wouldn't shoot anybody on Fifth Avenue if I were you. We're back with school librarian Amy Herman. Paula Pounceon, I know you're bursting with more queries for our librarian. Well, I am because you were mentioning about, you know, the collection. And I was wondering, I mean, because I looked yesterday at a list of books that are are banned. And it, it's just shocking. And uh, the reason I say it's shocking, because it, I mean, some of it, you you read it and you go, okay, well, I can see why somebody might be upset about that. I don't care that they're upset about it, because, because how about if just... Their kid doesn't read it. Um, but some of the stuff, like, you you can't even figure out why anybody would be upset about. I mean, come on, Charlotte's Web, for God's sakes. Uh, all right. But so, Amy, when you order books for the school, how do you find them? Is there a criteria? Is there some sort of system that you go through for selecting a book? Absolutely. We've taken classes on this in library school. We are custodians of a budget. We have to be judicious stewards in how we spend this money in much the way that uh, somebody goes to the grocery store and buys food for their entire family. You know, we want to make sure that when we are buying books, that we're supporting the needs of everybody. I have to say, though, in terms of budgeting, it's a lot easier to shop for groceries than it is for books. Uh, somehow, <laughs> that's true. when I've bought books in the past, that's when I really go like over a crazy amount of books. Whereas food, I'm usually within a certain margin. Well, we can always feel really good about the money we spend when we know we're supporting immediate needs that we find out about. So, so there's always a running list of the books we buy because our students ask for them and we don't have them. Oftentimes, we field requests from teachers as well. We want to make sure that we support the curriculum. So when new curriculum initiatives are taken on, we're going to adjust our purchasing to support those priorities. You can always tell when we have clubs because we want to make sure that we support them. So we have you know, the Student Environmental Club in, in my school. Well, I talk to their club sponsor. We make sure that we're going to have books that support their club. Or, for example, we have our GSAs or our diversity clubs. They're going to be helpful in helping us pick out books that help our students see themselves not only on the cover of the book, in the pages of the book, but also are able to sort of see others' experiences. We use this idea of windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors by Rudine Sims Jippets. I can't believe any of those topics that you've been able to supply the clubs with books right now, like diversity. I, I'm, I'm surprised that hasn't been quashed and environmental stuff as well. I'm surprised big oil hasn't, you know, <laughs> banged its way into your library and put a stop to that. Well, and again, the idea is parents can are the, are the final arbiters of what their children read, but they cannot decide what other people's children read. Don't so, you wish. Now they can. <laughs> 
Well, and and the scary thing is in many states, there are these community and parent committees, which Mm -hmm. now have the opportunity to preview all the purchasing orders by school librarians and nix titles because they see that those that money is being provided through taxpayer dollars. And therefore, Mm -hmm. this parent committee who has zero training in how to select books to support our students in their minds, they know what books they do and do not want their own child to read. And therefore, that is going to cloud their ability to make those decisions, you know, which is wrong. We need to be able to step back and realize that we're providing books for all of our students, not just to see themselves on the pages of a book, but to see others' experiences. That's how we build empathy. That's how we build future voters who are going to be able to think about other people's needs. How much of a problem is this? I mean, it makes the headlines. But, of course. You know, in, in your experience out in the field, like how many libraries are being severely impacted by these incredibly um, nefarious parents? Ironically, it's not always parents. It's just bored people. These are these Facebook activists. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and they're following scripts. They've they've written out a playbook. And, and I'll tell you what, we can use social media, too. So what happens is these organizations feed on people's fear and ignorance. And these sort of playbooks get circulated on Facebook. And it is is very regional. And so there are pockets of this happening all over the country. There isn't a single area of the country where we can sort of breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, good, I'm safe, because that's just not the case. And, and it doesn't matter if your state is dominated by Democratic politics or Republican. There are these pockets of of activists who are entirely fueled by scripts that have been shared with them on social media. They most often haven't read the book and they simply have decided what they'll do is cherry pick and they'll take a phrase out of context. And consistently, it is always going to target people who are marginalized, LGBTQIA, uh, and it really is selective in that heteronormative behaviors completely fly under the radar. So if you go into a a, a school collection, especially in a high school collection, there is plenty of sex on the pages of those books, except as long as it is between a girl and a boy, well, that's fine. But as soon as it involves two boys or two girls, that's pornography. And as the the person who put the book on the shelf, I am a groomer and I've been called a groomer. And and it is, you know. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Pedophiles, groomers, because we are putting these materials in the hands of students. And by the way, nobody is forcing a kid to pick up a book off the shelf. If a child comes to the to our learning commons or our library, the first thing I do isn't try and force them to read something. I sit there and say, hey, how can I help you today? Why are you here? And and oftentimes it's to do work that they're doing for a classroom or research. But but I am not bent on converting my students into something they're not. And I've said before, if we became what we read on the pages of a book after 14 years of being an elementary librarian, I should be a very hungry caterpillar. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, the other thing is, how many children have grown up gay or trans or LBGTQ? And they were raised by hetero parents and they read hetero books their whole life because nothing else was ever introduced to them. And they are still gay or they are still trans, right? It's it's yes. not. Yes. It doesn't convert anybody. Do you, uh, Amy? Are you? Do you know why some schools have taken Charlotte's Web off the shelf? 
You know what I, I tell my students and I tell teachers? Because I have a permanent band display of books at, when my students walk in. So it, and whether it's an administrator or superintendent or board of education member, when they walk into my library, the first thing they see is a banned book display, which is every book with a little label on it that says banned. And then I, I show the students uh, all sorts of information, supporting information that they can find there. But when I do that, the reason why is because I want them to, to ask those questions. And all you have to do is take the title of a book and, and type in the title and the word banned, and it'll pull up a litany of reasons why that book has been banned. And by the way, my library has had Mein Kampf on the shelf for 30 years. And you know what we have not done? We have not hatched a Nazi yet. Wow. You've probably not adapted it into a film yet either. <laughs> okay, but do you know the reason why some schools have taken Charlotte's Web off their shelves? This point, Charlotte's Web thing is very personal to Paula. It's yeah, I, and you know what? You type in Charlotte's Web, and then you type in the word "banned." No, I know because I looked at it. I looked at it on this list last night, and what it said was. I mean, I haven't personally experienced this um, because I'm, but what it said was the reason some people, you know, some parents wanted the book taken off the shelves is because um, talking animals, because there's talking animals and that that yes. was, yeah, and that that was somehow against God or something to the effect That's of that. And I'm just implausible. like, oh my heavens, then there'd be five books left in the children's section. That's <laughs> just absurd. I could see if somebody wanted Charlotte's Web removed, you know, be because of fear of spiders. But uh, I, I wouldn't want it removed. It says here, parents felt that only humans should have the ability to speak. It is or it is believed that only only humans should have the ability to speak. And, you know, again, these are issues of fear and ignorance. And by the way, you know, if you are so concerned about what is impacting your child's growth and development, then you need to remove the Internet from your house, get the phones right. out of their pockets, yeah. because yeah. that's where the rest of that's everything. Right. So here you are obsessing about a book that's sitting on the shelf doing nothing. And yet in your child's pocket is the entire internet at their fingertips 24 hours a day. When I was in the fifth grade, our teacher used to read to us after recess. It was, it was great. And uh, one of the books she read, and it must have been right around the time it came out, I would think, was um, Harriet the Spy. And, oh, we loved it. And Harriet the Spy is one of the books that some parents wanted to take off the shelf. And the reason is they were concerned that their kids would spy on people because, in fact, it is a story of a little girl who uh, one of the things she likes to do is she carries around a notebook and she writes down stuff about her friends and about neighbors. And there's a thing where she I, and I had forgotten this from when I was a kid, but there's a thing where she goes into a neighbor's apartment and goes in their dumbwaiter and pulls herself up and listens to their private conversations. Well, I don't remember being bothered by that when I was a kid at all. When I went to read it to my children, I was like, you know, you definitely wouldn't want to get in you know, dumb waiters are really not meant to hold human beings' weight, so you don't want to get in a dumb waiter. Uh, but you know, we stopped and talked about what was in the book, and it kind of made us laugh because it was some of it was like so ridiculous. Like, why would a kid do that? Um, 
And by the way, the story of Harriet the Spy is that she writes these things about her friends. Uh, they discover her notebook at one point, and they're upset by it, of course. And so she has to sort of pay the social price for that and work her way back. So it's not overall a bad book. But I just think, really? You're afraid your kid's going to do everything that's in a book? It's sort of an absurd notion. And there is the possibility. When I found that in the book, when I remembered about the dumbwaiter and her spying on her neighbors, I didn't stop reading it to them. Instead, we, you know, we talked about it. And when I was a kid, I did try spying on my sisters and brother, and I had a notebook. So it did have that effect on you. It did, but here's the thing. It groomed you as a spy. I wrote so slowly that I could barely get the name of who was talking down in the book before I was identified. Who was the woman that was outed by Bush or Scooter Libby or whoever it was years ago? The spy? Valerie Plame. Yeah, yeah. She was a a victim of Harriet the Spy. All right, anyways, clearly I digress. <laughs> has anything been banned from your library? Has, has it ever become super personal for you in that way? Well, sure. Um, you know, the books that I have on my shelf, I, thankfully, have not been banned uh, by any organization. But I do point it out to my students when I taught my littles. Uh, Captain Underpants is the number one banned book, along with Harry Potter. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Captain Underpants for toilet humor. I love Captain Underpants. Captain Underpants is the best. (laughs) So brilliant that that somebody finally went, you know what? Kids in about the second grade love this stuff and just embraced it. My kids loved it. If my son were to come home today and he's 25 and he would go to the bookshelf, it may well be still one of the books he would take out. And it's, it's not just about the underpants. It's that the underpants are on the principal. And, and, you know, every once in a while, I, I, I had a couple books which, unfortunately, um, I, in my very early, one of my first years of, of being a school librarian, um, the teacher found out that in the book, the, uh, the donkey was referred to as an ass. And if it, this is actually where Shrek came from. Shrek was written, it was a book originally, and it was written by William Stieg. And in the book, he's referred to oh, as an so ass. Now, nobody has banned that book, but I do have another book called It's a Book by Lane Smith. And I've actually reached out to him because Lane Smith wrote this amazing book. And in it, it's a conversation between this, uh, a little sort of gorilla and a donkey. And the donkey is referred to as an ass. And that went into my principal's office never to be seen from again and and that is a form of wow. censorship and yes. that was my one of my first years as a as a school librarian now can i just be honest there was a time i did exercise a wee bit of uh, censorship if you remember those dk eyewitness books yes so um if if you look at the dk eyewitness book of the renaissance you get a full frontal nudity of david and, and and fortunately, at some point, that book did find its way into my office for a while because it, you would have thought the kids were looking at a Playboy because you saw this group. And as soon as you see this group of kids, you're like, that can't be good. And as soon as I went over <laughs> to investigate, it was it was the DK eyewitness book of, of David. You know what, Amy, I do want to ask you one more question. Of course, anything. You know, we keep... Seeing on, uh, mostly I've seen it on the internet, clips of really scary looking parents ranting at school board meetings usually. And uh, where, you know, the kind of, these are the kind of people who make the death threats and that sort of thing. 
when a book is somehow contested, is there a process for that as opposed to, you know, everybody's going in and grabbing whatever they don't like and, and tossing it off the shelf, as you know, as opposed to sort of a Nazi book burning type thing? Absolutely. First and foremost, all school districts have a reconsideration policy because all school districts have been faced with angry parents at some point or another about things that are are taught in the classroom. And as parents, you have the option to opt your child out of whatever it is, whether it is sex ed or they're reading Lord of the Flies in in a class or somebody decides to read, you know, uh, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, uh, those that this isn't new. And so families have always been able to challenge uh, or at least ask their child to not participate in that activity. And that's always been a parent's right to do that, regardless of the school that you are in. However, um, in addition to that, school libraries have collection development policies, which spell out not only how those books are chosen, because usually our books are also uh, evaluated and we can look at professional reviews written by organizations which review books for quality and content. And mm-hmm. many, many schools say, hey, you know, the books you buy should have at least two professional reviews written about them. And, and that is often Oftentimes, one of the criteria is that you need to have a, a, a certified school librarian making those choices, and, and it also needs to come with two professional reviews, and that is typically going to be the threshold by which books are considered uh, thoughtfully chosen. And so it's not unusual. Schools always have a reconsideration policy that always requires that the families submit uh, a request for reconsideration. Uh, The first step is not to go and scream your head off at a board of education meeting. That is not the first thing you do. The first Mm -hmm. thing you do is approach the school and indicate that you have concerns about either books that are being uh, uh, introduced to your student in classroom. That sounds a lot less fun than screaming your head off at a board of education. Sadly, the, the 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 Facebook playbook, which uh, you know everybody, all, all the uh, sort of armchair activists get, miss mm-hmm. the part where you go to the school and and request a, a, a reconsideration of materials. And and the difference is in the school library, we aren't instructing with those materials, so we are not sitting the students down and everybody has to read a certain book. In the classrooms, right. that does happen. So and that and mm-hmm. which is why a lot of our books, which are in our curriculum, have been scrutinized not only by the educators who have carefully selected them, but they've also been board approved. And that covers the district in terms of a liability to have those challenges. So when those angry parents come, at least the board can say, you know what, we approve this curriculum. We mm-hmm. approve this curriculum. And it, the fun thing is in my, my band book display, my ELA teachers love to say to the students, that's in our curriculum. That's in our curriculum. We teach that. We teach that. We teach that. Why? Because it forces the students to make their own decisions for themselves about how they feel about this content. As young adults, especially if I'm teaching, don't you want them to 
think critically for themselves. If we take the books off the shelves, they are never afforded that opportunity. The difference is when you're in the classroom and you're having guided instruction, then parents can exercise that interest. And by the way, if you don't like what's happening in the public schools in this country, you have every opportunity to pick from many different educational opportunities from your for your child, including educating them at home, at a charter, at a parochial school, at a at a, a, a you know religious uh, institution or school. You don't have to send them to public schools. So no, there is a policy, and and it involves the parents reading the book first. And then sitting before a panel, which includes the school librarian or the teacher in question, it includes administrators, members of the board, and this process happens thoughtfully, not being yelled with posters and angry signs, usually directed towards some of our students who are there to defend these books. And and the really hurtful thing is that you have our students who are members of the LGBTQIA community who are being subjected to this vile rhetoric while these parents berate some some child who just wants to see themselves on the pages of a book. Absolutely. Um, thank you. I'm gratified to hear that there's another way uh, than death threats and spray paint. So that's good. Well, and can I just say, Paula, you know, issuing death threats is a crime. Defaming people is a crime. And a friend of mine is firing back and suing her defamer. And she is then recognized as a leader in our profession, Amanda Jones, because she is taking the very bold choice to sue her defamer. She reached out to the police when she received death threats and and seeking legal recourse because of the things which have happened to her, all because she stood up at a, a library meeting, a public library meeting, in defense of the books that were on the shelves of a public library. Yep. Yep. Librarians, maybe out of, I guess out of necessity at this point, out of sad necessity, they really are, um, I don't mean warriors in the blood curdling yell way. I mean, warriors for, uh, uh, for free speech it have been for a long time. Absolutely. Well, Amy, that was just excellent. And now we're going to run all of this information that you've given us. And it is a wealth that you've imparted to us, um, through a device that we call the old Pounstonator, which only exists in our personal library. Paula? House band Chris Ketchum Campbell on the Get Fiddle. Thank you for fiddling up our show. You're, you're the backbone of the whole shebang. If I could ask you for a little more background, I'll tell you what the old Pounstonator spit out. Fourteen-year and counting school librarian and host of Librarians United podcast. Thank you for your work, and thank you for joining us to tell us about your work on the unexpected battleground of the ridiculous culture wars. I'm not surprised to hear that there is a process for thoughtfully choosing school library books, as well as a process for objecting to a book that does not include hysteria or threats of violence. Nor am I surprised that library science is a profession that requires higher education. Amy, you seem passionate and skilled at your work. I'm glad to hear there's a podcast for librarians. I'll bet there's more than one. And I'm glad to hear that you support one another. 
This faux parents' rights movement, my words, not yours, although you mentioned the script that many of the activists seem to be reading from, it has support among the Republican Congress who are afraid of them. I think it's going to get worse. I'm looking at my own bookshelves and wondering which would be ripped from school shelves and may, if we keep going in this sad direction, have to be hidden under my back porch. I guess we can start with lies my teacher told me everything your American history textbook got wrong. That'll be gone in a hot second. I have a whole row of Charles Dickens novels. Those would be gone because there's the word dick right on the cover. There's My Lucky Life in and out of show business, Dick Van Dyke. Well, his name alone has the double whammy, plus the word luck suggests the occult. I have a book called Cults that'd be ripped from the shelves because it shows cults in a bad light. There's Dust Bowl Girls, about a college women's basketball team in the 1930s with the winningest record of all time. That'll be burned because they didn't submit documentation of their menstrual cycles. Robinson Crusoe will surely be ripped from the shelf. A guy living alone? That's a little weird. Then he meets another guy? Huh? What do you think happens then? To Kill a Mockingbird? Gone. Kite Runner? Gone. Good grief, Charlie Brown. Charles Schultz insisted on having a black character. Plus, Linus had a weird Halloween religion. Ed Begley Jr.'s Guide to Sustainability? Not if it doesn't come in plastic. To Nessie Coates, Between the World and Me? I, I think it actually comes with matches now. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Everybody's mad about that. Mouse, the gateway drug. the host of the podcast School Librarians United and a school librarian extraordinaire herself, Amy Herman, everybody. Whee! Amy, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Charlotte's Web, Charlotte's Web, Charlotte's Web. Coming up, the one part of the library we'll never need is the how-to section because we've got our own resident handywoman always on hand to crack that whip. Tony's Craft Corner is next when we come back. A news update from the dental chair. This has been a news update from the dental chair. Fun fact! Galapagos tortoises have amazingly large bladders that can store up to 20% of their body weight in pee, which makes them the only creatures on the planet to be able to make it all the way through that new Avatar movie. <laughs> All right, thank you, Chris Ketchum Campbell. And Paula, what about that crowd roar there? Not bad, Bruce! huh? Bruce, Bruce. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. I'm kidding. Thank you, thank you, Chris. 
Hey, listeners, please head on over to Facebook or Instagram to find the direct link to get this, our new Instagram Cat of the Week filter. All you need is an Instagram account to use the filter and enjoy all the listener-submitted contestants for Cat of the Week. Tag at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone in your story so we can see you and share your post. Hey, Paula, what are you doing? Adam, you know what I'm doing? I'm spreading good tidings from one city to another. I was just in Cincinnati, and they told me to say hi to Columbus. I was in Fairfield, Connecticut, and they asked that I wish the people of Edgewood, New Jersey well. Now I'm off to Wilmington, Delaware, to the Grand Opera House on Friday, April 4th. For tickets, go to paulapoundstone.com. <laughs> They're going to insist that I say hi to Munhall, Pennsylvania, the, the Munhallites, the, the Munhallians, when I'm at the Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall on Saturday, April 29th. Listeners can go to paulapoundstone.com for tickets, and I know they're going to want me to send their best wishes to the good people of Boston, Massachusetts, where I'll be at the Wilbur Theater on Friday, May 5th, where they will insist that I support the Red Sox or fuck off. Go to paulapoundstone.com for tickets. All right. Well, as you're getting ready to go there, think about what you might do in the hotel rooms while you're waiting to see the Paula Poundstone show. Oh, a lot of free time. A lot of, a lot of time I don't know how to fill it. That's my problem. Well, here's the thing that you could do. You could fill it with crafts. That's right, everybody. <laughs> it's time for Tony's Craft Corner. Yay! 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 So, and as a special treat, Tony has not revealed what craft <laughs> we're doing. She has only given us a list of supplies, which are suspiciously like the supplies she always gives us, which is a piece of paper, crayons, pen, and you know some scotch tape. Were you, Adam, able to get the um, psychedelic mushrooms? Were you, the psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms, were you able to get that? That's one of the ingredients here. Tony might have sent you a slightly different list. Don't eat those, Paula. I already, I, ah, uh, uh, shit. Uh-oh. It said on her instructions to eat them about 15 minutes ago while Amy was talking. Are you sure that's Tony's list? I think so. Tony? I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, welcome to Craft Corner. Welcome to Craft Corner. And we'll just have to deal with the fact that Poundstone is going to be tripping balls throughout it. But Tony, you don't <laughs> sound very enthusiastic. I'm always enthusiastic about Tony that. loves crafts. I'm telling you. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, so, Tony, tell, me, tell us what we're doing in this Craft Corner. I've been unable to tease it for our listeners because you've been so secretive. So, Does anybody else, before we begin, does anybody else see Bonnie's nose moving around her face? No, that's just you, Paula. That's the mushrooms. Oh, shit. God, that was a bad idea, Tony. Yeah. Okay. All right, go ahead, go ahead, Tony, if you haven't already. Go, go ahead. Okay, so in honor of the of springtime, Wait, I have a theme song. I have a theme song. Bonnie has a theme song. Okay. Bonnie, when I say Tony's Craft Corner, that's the moment for the theme I know, song. But I, <laughs> it's like, I was like the middle of the sitcom. I'm not that ready uh, now. Okay, wait. We've got a craft corner, a craft corner. Snip, snip, snip. Pace, pace, pace. Draw, draw, draw. Color, color, color. <laughs> tape, tape, tape. Tony Anita Hall's craft corner. 
and egg white frittitas. <laughs> I love a egg white frittitas. I think it's frittatas. Oh, it's frittatas and oh, egg God. white frittatas. Who doesn't love a frittita? Wow, Bonnie, that, that, that was quite a theme song. It seemed to start yeah. with the tune of Hello, Dolly, and then just kind of decided the <laughs> tunes were unnecessary. Um, I think that the theme song is even harder when you're really fucked up on mushrooms. That's, uh, yeah. um, go ahead, Tony. What are we making in Craft Corner today? Now, so in honor of the spring season, we're going to make what I call a hug-a-bunny. <laughs> okay. I thought it was a cuttlefish. <laughs> All right, Tony, how do we make a hug a bunny? So, Dick, you should have a piece of paper, uh, preferably white, because bunnies are often white, or they're gray, or they're brown. Or you can make a pink bunny. Mine's going to be pink today. You can't really see it. Because I have to use a... All of a sudden, instead of just being a craft corn, she, all of a sudden she's like a, a zoologist. She knows all the colors of bunnies. I wanted to be inclusive. Yeah, that's great. Because how many pink bunnies are out there listening right now and think nobody even knows about us? We're so weird. So this is good. So mine is... Yeah. I So you know I'm on limited supplies here in the hotel room. So I had to take a page from my planner. Oh, shit. <laughs> Now you're going to be late for everything in April. <laughs> you act like that hotel room is a prison. <laughs> it feels like it. You are able to leave the hotel room, are you not? <laughs> At one time or another during the day? Yeah, but it's a hassle because there's valet and then you have to wait for your car and then you tip the valet. Mm. Anyway, oh. so, yeah. so okay. do you take your piece of paper Oh. I got my paper, Tony. I got my paper. Okay, beautiful. So you're going to do a blue hug a bunny. I love a blue hug a bunny. So you're going to take your pencil and on one side of the paper, I'm going to do it on the not pink side because I don't want any markings on the pink side. We're going to do an old one of our old favorites. We're just going to trace our hand on the paper. I love tracing my hand. Oh, my God. With your fingers open, trace your hand. Close it at the bottom. You should have a, a trace hand. This is Tony's way of solving a crime. <laughs> this is sort of like doing fingerprints, except for it's hand trace. And then she's going to accuse one of us of committing a crime. This is suspicious already. Suspiciously like the peacock. <laughs> Could Adam put his junk and then it'll go a little further than just hugging the body? <laughs> Okay, why oh do we always God. talk about... Why, why, why are we bringing my junk into this again? <laughs> so now you're going to cut out your hand that you just Oh, drew. that takes so long. I hate It doesn't that. take too long. Oh, my God. I need craft scissors. Maybe that's a problem. My, my scissors are too big. Round yeah. up the top of the finger. You know, just really make a nice cut out there of your hand. Tony, this feels exactly like that damn It's peacock. not going to be like the peacock. Calm it's down. a hug a bunny. For me, the peacock experience was was peak. <laughs> that was that, was, that no. took us a long time, and I remember a lot of people complaining about the length that it took us to. Do Who complained? Who complained? Or us? I agree. I didn't hear complaints. N- not listeners. I didn't hear not listeners. Mainly time. from this group. All you, <laughs> you guys don't remember bitching the entire time about having to cut out our hands before. You're like, we could have done pre work for this. Were we on mushrooms that <laughs> night? Know. Because this is a nice touch. Honestly, it's really a nice touch, the mushrooms. So save your scrappies, because we're going to use those. Well, you didn't say that. I already wadded mine up. <laughs> we're not, okay. You're not stuck in the hotel prison. 
You don't sound that happy this week, Tony. I think maybe that it's really getting to you now. I think it's getting to no. I'm just. It's all. It's all good. No, I wouldn't blame you. How long's it been that you haven't been home? Three months. Oh my God! Really? You know, I wanted to ask the uh, the librarian Amy if she stocked in her library that book. What the fuck is Seattle? <laughs> Um, because that's really been instructive for a lot of people. Um, there's a whole chapter on Bonnie Burns, who really was the kind of the Johnny Appleseed of Seattle. She really, you know, she went around the country schooling people about Seattle. Spreading the word about Seattle. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. She was an apostle of yeah. Seattle. Oh, hey, look. So is hey, your look, hand Tony. cut out? Okay, that. I cut almost, my whole almost. hand off. My God. I cut my entire hand off. You should have said the <laughs> paper one. Like, oh, Jesus. Like you, you cut the whole hand off. It's an interesting <laughs> shape yeah. for a hand. Look how Julie has a perfect little Julie hand. Julie does have a perfect hand, but well, that's number not one. She's artistic, but number two, she's probably got kid scissors. Her there. heart, remember her heart bookmark looks beautiful. <laughs> I don't see how autism would help someone cut out their hand. I said kid scissors. No, you said she's autistic. I said artistic. Ooh. Oh, okay. You know, I'm so high right now. You're really high. I am so, so when everyone's cut out their hands, let me know, Bonnie. Everybody show show the camera your hand so that we can take a, a picture. High five. high five, everybody. All right, there we go. Bonnie, yeah, are you fantastic. ready for the next step? All right, there we yeah. go. Oh, Paula, what the hell is with your hand? You might, Paula, yours looks like the hot dog hands from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, it does. Mine's already a hug a bunny. Yeah, yours is. Okay, so now what we're going to do is... You're gonna cut yeah. off the middle finger, so you're just oh, gonna what? you're just gonna like really? round that censorship right there. Like just make it a little round, like just kind of round it off. You mean on the paper? <laughs> Fuck! I wish you would say that. Wow. I just cut off my middle finger. Understand? She's shrooming real hard right now, Tony. So if you, I'm say not gonna it. be able to drive anymore. Oh damn it! Um, okay, so everyone cut off their middle finger. This Bonnie, absolutely censorship. I got it. I got it. I got it. So far, I'm doing well. Okay, so now you're gonna fold in your outer fingers. The thumb and pinky. <gasps> the thumb and pinky. Ow! 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 <laughs> no, Paula, on the paper. Ah, oh, shit. Paper. I wish you would say that, Tony. Oh, I just broke my pinky. Oh. Okay, so we fold them in. So fold them in, and then you can go ahead yeah. and just let them breathe. And then you're going to draw, just draw some facial features. So. Wait a minute. Fold, how do you keep them folded? Wait a minute. <laughs> why are we letting them free? What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> you let my bunny go. Oh, my God. So, like. Right here, like draw like eyes and then a little nose. I'm gonna give mine little oh. eyelashes. Okay, got it. And then I always like to draw a bunny nose like an upside down heart. You know, Tony insists on saying she doesn't do crafts, but I believe I just heard her say, I always like to draw my bunny nose like an upside down heart. Like, why would you have experience? Draw little draw little cheeks and then at the bottom. Of where, like, the bottom of your hand curves around, you're going to draw two half circles at the bottom. And then draw three little circles in the half circle. And then fill in those little circles with your colored pencils and things. So you have, like, two little feet and two little with three little pads on the feet. And, you know, you can shade in some of the ear part to give some dimension to the ear. 
Oh, give dimension to the ear. Dim ear dimensions. Welcome. We are the ear dimension. Um, so ow, 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 ow. So, ow. So, so your little I, bunny is giving a hug. I just poked the inside of my ear with this pencil. What? And then take your scrap paper. No, no, she meant on the paper. But Paul, you should just oh, assume Jesus. she's talking about the paper. She, she, it's the worst instructor. You have to say on the paper, Tony. On your, I said on. That's why I'm on your scrap paper. On your scrap paper, you can draw a little carrot. Oh, oh how carrot. cute! Oh, oh, I'm gonna draw the carrot that I've seen on the Peroni's commercial. Is Peroni's where a penis is crooked or something? Yes. Oh, okay. That was yeah. To me. You can always tell a man who has Peroni's because he's he'll be in a parking lot just turning in circles. What are we talking about here? Um. So nothing. So, so your bunny, you know, you can draw a smaller bunny and your bunny can hug that bunny. Or you could draw a little knife. Your bunny could be holding a little knife. A little hey, knife? Yeah, yeah. What is your <laughs> bunny's doing that one from the horror that's movie. Donnie Darko. Yeah. Oh, see, hey, Julie's yeah, is yeah. so cute. And you have a little, little bunny that's just ready because to give you Julie a little Because Julie is artistic. I need to do a mouth like yours. She's what? She's artistic. Oh, my God. <laughs> now she's tautist. Oh, I lost. Okay, wait. All right. Did you oh say my Julie gosh. was part gypsy? What are you, what is saying? No, I said she's artistic. When did you guys become hard of hearing? Oh my God, how many different complaints are we going to get about this episode? You know what's good news for you, Tony? By the time we finish this, the movers will have you back in your house. Oh my God. Yeah. Back in your apartment. That's, that's very good news for you. Uh, does anyone have any questions? I mean, use your colored pencils to... I mean, I don't have colored pencils here. I just said I found a blue pen. So I made... Oh, and you couldn't possibly find colored my pencils bunny eyes, my, my bunny's eyes blue. Oh, that's so cute! Look at Adam's! Adam's was done professionally. Adam was saying he didn't know what we were doing, but that's not true. He hired someone to make his... Professionally cheating bastard. I did not bring in a bunny ringer, Paula. He did. Well, Tony, this is a very um simple craft corner, I have to say. You know, I'm trying to sometimes you just have to K-I-S-S. -S. Keep it simple, stupid. You know? Oh. 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 I didn't know that. Wow. All right, well, let's all let's all hold up our bunny so that Julie <laughs> can take a picture. This is the kind of craft that you can really do at home because really just cut out your hand and draw a bunny face on it is all Tony's saying. My God, it was so much more complicated than Oh, that. it's so important that you say on the paper. Oh, Bonnie's yours is cute. Mine has a mask. Okay, I have a question. How big are the horns on a bunny? <laughs> Mine looks a little bit like the QAnon shaman. Oh, Adam, look at you with your carrot. That's so cute. Wow. And you did a nice nose. Your nose looks yeah. really... You, you, there's really expressive eyes there, Adam, too. Well, thank you very much. I, you know, I worked hard on this bunny. <laughs> oh, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> there's so many people to thank. I mean, the list is so long. I just want to say that we, this is something that we're making a surprise. We didn't tell the listeners about this, but we have been sending Adam... Uh, to craft schools on the weekends. It's <laughs> uh, really paid with off. Our, with the money we have from the show, the money that, you know, comes from the same pot that we send 
uh, Tony around the world um, <laughs> as our ambassador. And so Adam has been learning to make crafts. And Adam, that is exceptional. You can also curl the bunny's ears if you want. But Ow, 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 ow. Oh. I said curl the bunny's ears. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm trying to put his pants on. Well, your bunny, your bunny has, is that an erection? <laughs> your bunny has an erection. Stop. Okay. <laughs> My bunny had to be pulled off the shelves. <laughs> I mean, uh, look at that. That is my, that bunny is endowed down there. What's what's going on with that? My bunny starred in that uh in that upsetting children's book Dick and Jane. Uh, <laughs> has, Here we go everybody. Take, Here's our bunny. Take it off the shelves. Okay. Uh, there we go. It's spectacular. Nice. Really guys, lovely work everyone. Congratulations. All right everybody and that was Tony's craft corner. Tony fantastic. Uh oh my god. It's right. no wonder why so many you know listeners write in and say could we do another Tony's craft corner why Tony is often Sometimes, you know, there are days where I have to get up really early to go to work. You know, like I get up at like 3.30 in the morning or something to, to head to the airport. <laughs> and I step outside and Tony's already on my doorstep <laughs> saying, can we, you know, can we please do another, uh, you know, craft, craft corner? And so this is, uh, this is exactly why, because of this kind of fine, fine work. Yay. This is the work of an adult. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's send our hey, let's send our selfies in. And listeners, if you've made a bunny and you want to send it in, why don't you send it to uh, nobody listens to Paula Pounce in a gmail dot com or post it on our Facebook group, tag us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, hey, Paula Poundstone, besides Adam, making bunnies, Adam, what's going on in Adam. your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, answer the phone. I can't, Paul. I've already asked you about your Poundstone product empire this week. <laughs> Adam. Answer the phone. Uh, by the bylaws of our podcast, I can't be answering the phone <laughs> Adam, after I asking you about the phone. For God's God sakes, answer the phone. All right. Hello. Hello. Oh, is this is this Adam Felga? Yeah, yes, it is. Well, come come ahead. This is Senator Bernie Sanders. <laughs> uh, am I the hundredth caller? Uh, no, Senator Sanders, you are the ninth caller. In fact. Well, that is ridiculous. How how long have you been doing this contest? Uh, I'm I'm not really doing it, but it's been going on for a few weeks. I think. I I, I was hoping to be the hundredth caller so that I could receive all the, uh, so that I could receive the all expense paid trip on the biographical tour of your life. But okay. I I don't know that I have the energy or the time, frankly. To call back ninety-one more times, I, I, I am, after all, the senator from Vermont. Yes, and that can be time-consuming, particularly at this time in our history when our democracy is under threat almost daily. Yeah, I understand, sir. In fact, I'm surprised that you would even want to take the trip to all the places that I've lived and worked and uh, that made me the man I am today. I know I don't want to take that trip. Let Let me be completely frank. I would go anywhere at this point to get away from the Republicans in the Congress who have been elected by voters who seem incapable of doing anything in their own best interests. In private, many congressional Republicans will say that they are also frustrated. However, they lack the courage to speak out. I, I, I believe that it is very possible that Mitch McConnell, for whom I wish a speedy recovery, did not trip and fall 
but rather just threw himself on the floor in despair. It's possible. So, if I could visit the sunglass hut where you worked in Cambridge or taught improv, <laughs> it would be a relief and and uh, and a blessing. No, I, no, I, I I performed and taught improv in Cambridge, and, and I went to college not far from there. It doesn't there matter. The- it, do, it doesn't matter. Do you understand? that I have spent years all but begging (laughs) the American worker to protect themselves from corporate greed, and they continue to elect a Congress that puts the interests of CEOs over their children's ABCs. Yeah, 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 but I just want to be clear for the other callers. I went to college in Somerville, Medford. To be clear, I would gladly live in the witch coven that you slept with in London than ever have to look at Ted Cruz's dinty more beef stew facial hair again. Whoa, hey, well, I didn't sleep with Witch Coven. I was in London studying. That is besides (laughs) the point. The top CEOs are now paid at a rate 400 times that of their workers. It doesn't matter if you taught improv to the king of Saudi Arabia. Well, that was just a weekend seminar. Do you understand that I have to work in a room with Josh Hawley? All right. When you put it that way, Jesus, I'm sorry. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I need this trip. All right, Senator. Well, hang up and call again. Senator Bernie Sanders calling in at the last minute. Paula, I apologize. I had to take that call. Um, and it interrupted <laughs> me asking you about your Poundstone product empire. <laughs> oh, boy. So glad you asked. Uh Adam, it's officially spring. I think we've been yes, over it is. that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it's or what I like to refer to as hug a bunny season. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> think I'm getting when I say that for four dollars plus shipping, they can get a pound of plant pleasing worm waste from the funniest farm in the world. Yes, I am a worm farmer. I learned about it on episode 143. Email me at Paula at with your order. And there's another option, by the way, which is that for $30 plus shipping, I'll give you the how the heck does she do it package. You'll receive a pound of warm waste that your plants will thank you for and a personalized video showing you some part of my worm farming process and introducing you to the worm that I name after you. I can tell you that William, Carol, Virginia, Bob, and Estelle have wriggled with just that much more self-esteem since they were named. To order, email me at paula at paulapoundstone.com. Check out all the life-changing products at the shop at paulapoundstone.com, including Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Hooded Sweatshirts, which are just the thing. They really are just the thing, especially if you were to say, hold up at a hotel and need to make conversation (laughs) down at the local watering hole. Why, wearing a Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Hooded Sweatshirt... A, would protect you from the elements, and B, could start many an interesting conversation if you would only go ahead and do that. <laughs> and it's a good way to meet people around the world if you should be traveling. That's right. If you were to go to, say, the other, you could go to the other side of the planet, like Australia or New Zealand. And, like, even there, it would be interesting to be wearing a Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirt because guess what? Our internet spans the globe, and anybody can listen to our podcast, and it's free. Hey, if there's a subject or topic you'd like to know more about, tell us. We're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com, and that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam DeFelber. Special thanks to our guest, librarian Amy Herman. Woo, 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 woo. Hey. 
You can find her podcast at schoollibrariansunited.libsyn.com. Thanks to house band Chris Ketchum Campbell. Woo! Yeah. Our show be produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Burkobian. We are edited by Vic Lowry and the Starburns production. That's handled by Land Romo. Oh, that's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, I, I love Tony to death, but she, you know, when she instructs, like, I, I am now missing a hand. And, <laughs> you know, this isn't the first time she's done this to me. I don't think it was clear at all that you were supposed to cut the paper. I have to say, I think it was more the mushrooms than anything else, Paula. Because I, I think oh. your mind is getting blown in a lot of ways. Are you are you ready for this? What? Are you familiar with the state of Washington? Yeah. Well, there's a city in it. Get ready. Are you ready for this? Yeah. There's a city right on the coast, on the Pacific coast, called Seattle. Oh, man. You, you know what? I, we shouldn't even talk about this until I'm straight. I just... <laughs> This is so fucking no, mind-blowing. No, it's, it's true. You head up the coast to Washington State. There's a city called Seattle. When, when, when was it discovered? Um, 1979 or 1980? Early 80s. <laughs> some, some, some woman named Benny Burns or something uh, discovered oh, it and then came to L.A. to let everybody know that what, what had happened. Wow. Put out the clarion call. You know, were it not for her, Nirvana never would have existed. That's right. She put him on the map, literally. Because nobody was up there. Nobody ever heard of it. You know, I can remember now, knowing Bonnie many, many years ago, sure. and that she was often sort of dissing Seattle at the time. It, like, <laughs> she would say that she was from there, and then she would say that it was somehow not memorable. I think that this has nothing to do with the rest of the world or what they know about or Seattle itself. If I could just armchair psychology for a little bit, I think it's a little bit of self-loathing on the oh. part of Bonnie Burns, sort of dissing where she came from, you right. know? Yeah. Okay, I, I didn't say nobody was you're up not here. You're not part of You're not here. You're not part of the show. People that hadn't heard of it. No, no, no. You're what? You're not here. No, no. You're not part of this. Yeah, this is just me, me and Adam talking quietly. Enjoying our coda together, yeah. Yeah, about what we've been through on this episode. It has been. Um, hey, Adam, did I yeah. tell you that I got out of the have? You, yeah, I noticed that you you, you, you yeah. seem to be on camera now, so you got yourself yeah. out of the have. I did. I got out of the have just in time to get my supplies yeah. for, um, yeah, during a commercial break. I managed yeah, I, to pull I, myself out of the have so that and, I, and thank goodness I did because otherwise yeah. my hug-a-bunny yeah. would be covered in mud. I got to say, can I say something about the hug-a-bunnies, Paula? Yeah, I feel like we've gone to that tracing the hand well too many times. <laughs> I mean, you when, know when I think about craft, you're not here. <laughs> when I think about craft corner, I think about all the options that we have in the world of craft. Okay. We can weave stuff. We okay, can, we I'll, can, you know, I'll note, note it. Make, note make, it. <laughs> you're not I, here. Tony. I hear. I hear somebody else. Um, Adam. Yeah. Noted. Um, is that why you traced your junk? Because I thought really we should go back to hand tracing. 
Well, I had to. I had to do something that was a little more interesting. So yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm not. I'm not going down to Peacock Well one more time. Although it might have been more appropriate for a peacock than a hug bunny. Well, you know, there is also a little craft. <laughs> you finally got that. <laughs> my God, my 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 hug bunny is squeezing me too tight. Stop oh, no. it! Stop oh, that's it! That's the shroom. That's the shroom, Paula. It's it's just crushed the life out of me, bunny. Stop it! Stop it! It's <laughs> a so won't stop hugging bunny. You're just having a bad trip, Paula. Trust me. I don't think it. I think my hug of money's killing me. Stop it. Throw it in the hay. Throw it in the hay if you can. Drop the hug of money in the hay. I need space, buddy. I need space. (laughs) (laughs) Stop it. A podcast network.